Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one -on -one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. For decades in the world of fashion, there really has only been one man who has given the industry its sonographic soundtrack, and that man is Michel Gobert. Michel eats, sleeps, and breathes music. It has been the framework for what he does in his career as the sound director for most of the leading fashion houses on the planet, and has been the guiding force in his life as well. His fascination with music is what pushed him to learn English, moved to California in his youth, and it is through music that he has made some of his deepest and lifelong friendships. Michel's passion for music has always been intertwined with fashion. As early as five years old, he dreamed about being a musician, as much for the amazing clothing that they wore as the music they played. Later, at the end of the 1970s, his years-long devotion to music turned into a two-pronged career. During the week, he was a buyer of international music for the renowned record store Champs Disque, and on the weekend, he was a DJ at the famed Le Palace nightclub. Karl Lagerfeld was an avid collector of music, and it was at Champs Disque that the designer first crossed paths with Michel. Later, it would be Lagerfeld that would give Michel his first big break, designing the soundtrack for one of his signature shows. And eventually, he would call on Michel to do the music for Chanel as well, the first time with less than 24 hours' notice. Their artistic collaboration would continue for close to four decades and span the Chanel, Fendi, and Lagerfeld brands. Over the years, Michel has gone on to create musical memories for brands and designers big and small, from Dior, Valentino, Gucci, and the Wave to Ralph Simmons, J.W. Anderson, and Jeremy Scott. Not to mention the music he has created for the fashion store Colette, numerous exhibitions, store openings, and global events. His collaborations with designers tends to endure for decades, as Michel's encyclopedic knowledge of music, his collaborative nature, and without question his endless positivity and good humor make him someone you just want to spend time with. If you want to get an even better sense of Michel after listening to this podcast, besides, of course, listening to some of the amazing mixes he's created for shows over the years, I suggest following him on Instagram at Michel Gobert. His feed is a riot and is always an instant pick-me-up. Just on a technical side note, I did want to let all you listeners know that Michel and I did our interview over Zoom video, so don't be surprised by a couple of very minor audio issues. Now it's time to enjoy the dulcet sounds of Michel's own voice as he talks about the love of his life, music. Michel, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are this time of year. You're welcome. I mean, it's a pleasure to be with you. I wanted to just kind of touch on the current state of play as far as the fashion world, fashion shows, et cetera. We saw in the last six months with the confinement, et cetera, a lot of fashion shows were digital. It was all virtual. And I wanted to know, you know, how that impacted you and how you were involved in that. And just talk to me a bit about what it's been like for you these last six months. Okay. Well, life for me for the past six months, I mean, I... <laughs> I was in March, oh my God, there's so many things to do. Like until, until July, I was like even overwhelmed like the number of events that were like popping up all the time. And it was like, wow, 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 wow. You know, and uh, then everything, it was like a Chateau Cat, you know, like uh, all the cards were- Cards crashing, yeah. Yeah, crashing, like nothing was happening anymore. And I had things to do, like I did work on the Chanel Cruise show. I worked, like it was the first one. 
Then I did a lot of things for Apple Music. I did a little Animal Crossing video, the fashion Animal Crossing video show. I worked on the Karen Watt show. I mean, lots of charities, you know, and I do that I did with pleasure. And uh, I had a bit of things to do also for um, different people, like menswear, like during um, during menswear. But it's like nothing compared to what I usually do. But you know, it was very strange because since like. I'm all by myself in the office with my partner. So my employees are furlough, you know, for the time they came back, but then they were furloughed during that time. So I had my work and plus all the other work to do myself. So I was very busy in the end. Interesting. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that because I know that a lot of people have, have been struggling. But so how, how did you, when we talk about busy, because again, we're, we don't have fashion shows. I mean, hopefully now with some in, in Paris, I know that you know New York is doing pretty much virtual only, um, but in Milan, there seems to be some physical shows. How have you been, have you been having kind of those, asking you that, those kind of deep, profound questions about what I want to do next? Has it really shook yourself in a certain way about is the industry changing? There's of course the discussion about the value of fashion meets, can it all be digital? What what have you come up with kind of when you're reflecting on all of this? Well, to begin with, I don't think that fashion is only going to be digital. I don't believe in it because like the what happened in July when everyone did something digital was a flop, basically. I mean, I'm I don't want to say it was it's not it wasn't good, but you cannot grab people's attention in the same way. Like however however good the movie is or whatever, it's it's very different. I mean, when you talk about fashion, people see the clothes. I mean, even the designers, they all like the fashion show because they can see their clothes in movement, you know what I mean? So being worn and have a life in a movie, it's very different. You know, it's a film and plus it doesn't have the spontaneity of a live show because everything is rehearsed and rehearsed. So the, the dress looks good on the frame, but it takes forever. I mean, it's and you don't get the people's reaction in the same way um, as a live show. I mean, a, a live show, if you have an audience, the reaction is in front of you and people react instantly when it's a movie like you know okay fine and you don't know what people think mm -hmm. so in a way i mean you're, you're missing that live element so i don't think it's going to go completely digital so far i mean new york i'm not doing anything but like i don't want to go to new york now if i don't think it's the right time for that london was supposed to do a few things mixing physical and digital but since that the new the new quarantine in, in england there's no gathering of more than six people. So, okay, so the whole thing is cannot happen. I mean, I don't even know how they can have models or even the designer and the team is more than six people. So that's very complicated. And so far in Milan and Paris, people are staging shows with models. I mean, I think the I heard the casting situation is very difficult because a lot of girls are, you know, from the States or, I mean, from all over the world and some kind of travel. And uh, they hope they're going to have a, an audience maybe limited like you know i heard anything from like 150 to 400 people for bigger things but there's they still don't know if it's going to happen with people with audience so there are a lot of people are filming it in a special way like maybe doing like you saw the dior show like for example in lecce right so that was a good example of a physical show that looked good on video you know mm -hmm. and people got good and they got a good reaction for that because sure. people could actually see models and the clothes being worn and like it was a beautiful set and the music was live. So I think it's going to be a mixture of both, you know, and musically, 
I mean, I can, I do other things also. I can, you know, I, I, I consult with music. So I advise, you know, artists who should get, I mean, I advise houses I work for to select a few artists, you know, to, to promote them, to use their music on the web. <clears throat> and also we're thinking a lot more about performances, you know, for fashion too. And, and we're beginning, I mean, I'm beginning to, it's a, it's a different phase, you know, and I think that's, Fashion is in, the, is in the time right now. I think it can be extremely daring in its way to communicate and its way to expose itself. Basically, maybe this is like, I was talking about the deck of cards earlier, but maybe like it's barriers, you know, also falling down. And uh, I mean, everything is open again. I think it's not, I mean, I think it's not so creatively. I think it's going to be very interesting. Because sure, fashion is changing. That's for sure. You know, I think it's definitely challenging people to to think outside the box um, in an industry that's famous for you know looking towards the future. In any case, but sometimes can be really stuck in its ways and its methodology. I remember that when we we've spoken in the past, there was this whole issue when you would do you know the shows for Chanel and you would have the presentation. You know, you would do your your mix, and then there would be a struggle when it would go online. Correct me if I'm wrong that with the musical rights and things like that, that you won't, that there are people, you can't actually use the same music that you would have no. in the space in the room. And so I was curious to know how you would deal with that issue, you know, with the current state of play. This is why I want to collaborate with more artists also, because like we can, you know, like last time for Chanel in March, when I worked with the Planning to Rock, like they're from Berlin. I mean, I, I really like their music. I think it's very operatic, like grand and whatever. And uh, I just asked them to play to to compose two tracks for the show, and we we paid them. But we also got the rights for the for the music on the web, and that was the link. So we're trying to do this more and more and more. Like and uh, and also, it's very important that the music remains the same or a variation of the same mood. Because I mean, gone are the days when people like you know. No, there's still people doing that. But like, I mean, when you can, you know, it's like either you license the tracks that you're using or you get something similar. There's also ways, I think also you don't have to show the show that last 20 minutes. You can just do a five minute clip, you mm -hmm. know, like you don't need to see the whole thing. I mean, nobody wants to see a show for 20 minutes. It's unheard of, you know. So if you do just five minutes and with the right song, I mean, it's stronger even, you know? So maybe people are going to make like edits of their videos. Like it's going to be, maybe there's more performances, like music is going to be more tied in with the brand. I mean, all these kind of things, you know? And, and like I said, I mean, I tend to be optimistic because there's always something like this happening. I mean, there's been things like that happening before. And then fashion is like the Sphinx, you know, like it's, I mean, it's renews itself all the time, you know, it re, it's reborn from its ashes. So, and I think fashion is going to do that once again, but like the whole world does, does the same way, you know, like, I mean, I even think my personal habits have changed a bit, you know, like this summer I didn't, usually I do those crazy trips, like, you know, I go somewhere and then I go to America, one place, another one, another one. And this year I stayed in Paris and I went to Bavaria for some reason and I just discovered I adored it, you know, it was so close to my house. And I was like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. I had the best time. It's my best summer in a long time, you know what I mean? And I think like a lot of people are going to have experience like this. Of course, there's that fear of the future for everyone. I mean, everyone on the planet, like, you know, is what's going to happen. But I think if you learn to take it day by day, you know, it's like better. But projecting yourself like end of, end of 2021 is like, how can you do that? 
I think it's impossible to plan for the future to, you know, six months down the road seems so far in the future these days. Exactly, exactly. So, so maybe now I'm happy because I know I'm going to have things to do. It's not, I mean, it's not only financial because it's like, of course, you know, I can have my staff back and everything, but I mean, it's not going to be, we're doing discounts to everyone because it's just to be part of it. That makes me put such a good mood, like just some activity and create things and meet people and share things with designers and like building a team. I mean, it's always what I like the best, you know, it's like, I like the, I like the, yeah, I do like collaborations a lot. Let's talk about uh, collaboration because uh, I know that one of the ones that you're quote unquote most famous for is your collaboration with Carl for, throughout his career. I'll never forget the first show after he passed and you and you played You Can Be Heroes, David Bowie, and like the, the models on the catwalk lost it, people in the audience lost it. You know, it was a very emotional moment. I mean, can you talk about what that experience was like for you, your collaboration, your, your experience with him, and then maybe and specifically also that you know, send off to a certain extent if that, that show. Well, I mean, I had a very long collaboration with him. You know, it's, it's, it's a long story. I mean, I can make it short or long if you want, but uh, I met him. I mean, I knew him before, but I started to work with him in 1989. And then uh, I worked for the House of Lagerfeld. And uh, that was right after his partner, Jacques, passed, passed away. I think Jacques passed in June. And I think Jacques was more or less involved with the music for the shows. I was part of this thing. So in September, they asked me for something and then I did it, you know, and I was like, of course, I was starstruck and I was so afraid of like, you know, but it, it worked. And, um, and then I did it again for him in March, but no word from Chanel. And I said, I wasn't asking anything, you know, and yeah. like, and um, the last day for me of fashion, week was a Sunday night. I got home at like one o'clock in the morning and I got a phone call. It was Carl. I said, Michelle, c'est Carl. I said, oh yeah, how are you? He said, well, I just heard the music for tomorrow's Chanel show. It's really, it's so bad. It's so bad. You have to come and help me. It's tomorrow morning at 10. <laughs> oh my God. When was this? What year was this? That was 1990. Oh my gosh. I know. And I just did it, of course. I mean, I said, okay. I mean, you know, and whatever I said, anyway, if it's what you do is going to be better than what I have. You know, so. <laughs> and I was super impressed because like someone like him doing this, like, you know, like with no safety net. And that made me like realize, okay, you're ballsy. And I was going to say, ballsy move. Yeah, and I like that, you know, I mean, because he trusted me after two shows and uh, and we really connected on that thing, you know, and then we went through a lot of... What is it about your two characters that there was that symbiotic relationship that you... that you I, Clearly there's a, a bit of trust, but is it, do you have... Were you like-minded in a way? I mean, or, or is there something... Yes, 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 yes. I'm, I like, I like I'm a bon mot sometimes, you know, I like these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And like Cal, I'm also very curious. I mean, I like music-wise, I mean, I like, you know, anything. Basically, mm -hmm. if I like it, I like it. Art-wise was the same thing. I mean, we had a lot of conversations going on. And then um, I also was very, I'm, I still am very fashion-oriented. I, I would know as much about fashion, or what was going on, as I would know about music. So he used to call me his editor, you know, and said, when I would come in, alors, Monsieur Gobert, comment ça va au journal? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we would talk about lots of things and shopping and I mean no we had a lot of things in common we were very different but still like we connected for a lot of things and he liked the fact I, I could joke with him very easily also what was it about that particular song the Bowie song that was why do you think that meant so much to him well because 
we started this in uh, he passed away on a tuesday and i was in milan working on the fendi show yeah and the finish show was on thursday yeah i remember so, yeah so we were like okay what goes on and very quickly i said as we should do some of his favorite songs ever. Doesn't matter if you use them in the past or anything, whatever, it's got to be. There was one by Lou Reed and John Cale talking about a small town. That was like the first one. And in the end, it says, what do you do when you live in, the first thing you do when you live in a small town is you want to get out, you know? So that's very Carly Love, that song. And then Sylvia was saying, well, what about David Bowie? I mean, also like David Bowie. And they were telling me, let's dance and things like that. And, I came back to my hotel that night. I said, I don't think so. I don't, you know, I'm not sure. And I went heroes and I was like, okay, perfect. So we played it for Fendi at the finale. And uh, when I, we came back to Paris, I mean, I thought I proposed right away to Chanel to, to play the same song for the end because it would be the link. Mm -hmm. And it would, mean, it would mean something for Carl as a person. And it was not just the track we played at the end of the fashion show. You know, I thought it was more meaningful and uh, in regards to Carl because he was a hero yeah. and for more than one day. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I agree. I absolutely agree. I, I was researching before we sat down to talk and it, and it was really because you said you, you love fashion that back in the day when you first got interested in music, you actually wanted to be a musician. It wasn't the music per se, but it was the fashion of the musicians and the... I love the whole thing. <laughs> the whole package. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I started early, like, but I liked when I was a kid. I loved the Rolling Stones. I mean, I loved T-Rex, Foxy Music, all of this. I found it fascinating that, that, matter of fact, fashion was, I mean, fashion and the way they presented themselves was part of their work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like David Bowie without Kenza Yamamoto and without the Ziggy Stardust thing wouldn't be David Bowie. And T-Rex without all the glitter and everything wouldn't be T-Rex. And Roxy Music without Brian Ferry being so stylish and whatever, like, like the futuristic crooner that he was at the time wouldn't be Roxy Music. So, and even Patti Smith, you know, when you look at Patti Smith, the Mabel Thorpe picture, it was like, I guess she was the head of the game with being punk, you know, and that kind of thing. And it, they all, it all meant something. So, and some musicians say, well, I don't care about fashion, you know, fashion, fashion. They don't, they do love it. They might not care about having a, a Prada bag or a Vuitton bag or a Chanel bag, whatever, but they do love clothes. So for me, clothes are fashion, you know, it's just style is fashion, you know, like it's part of it. It's part of the same community. It interconnects so many different art forms, fashion does, I think. Totally. Totally. I'm also very grateful to music because from what I understand, you learned English because you wanted to understand Bowie's lyrics. Is that right? Yes. Well, I was already taking English classes, but let's say I was motivated to learn English because of David Bowie. Mm -hmm. I wanted to understand what he was singing about, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I think in the 1970s, a trip to my hometown of San Francisco, what really was what kind of set you yeah, off the path for DJing. Is that right? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, because when I was there and like, you know, it was a... Um, I don't know if I would do that trip again, you know, because it was like when you're with, when you're young and you know you go to an exchange student family for a year, it's kind of strange. But then it was such a mind opener, like for on all levels. I mean, I learned a lot of things about American culture and a lot about music too, because which I was not hearing in France. Hmm. So basically, like all of like 
black culture music was more more there, you know. So I was like, oh my god, that's so good. Like Al Green, you know, like Dr. John, Sylvester, all those people. My mind opened up, and I was listening to um, a lot of other music, and then I didn't categorize anymore. This is that. This is that. I mean, it, to me, it was all the same. If it's good, it's good. It started then, you know. So. And also, I mean, of course, like movies, you know, like, I mean, American movies, going to the drive-in, going to the prom and all that kind of things, like made me understand America much better. And I know a lot about America now, you know, so. No, I think that, that, I think that it's interesting that that really broadened your horizons musically in the, the U.S. and having access, because again, it's not like today where music is at your fingertips in a lot of different ways. I want to go back and talk a little bit about your time at the Palace and I think DJing at a roller rink in the basement of the palace. I'm going to get to that because I want to ask you about that. But I yeah. did want to ask you about the kind of tunnel vision that a lot of people have because of the way we consume music online now. It's like if you say you have a preference for a particular music, then the algorithms of like a Spotify or other platforms kind of push you in the same direction. What do you think about that dynamic that we have now in relationship to music where you're almost getting tunnel vision in the way you're discovering new things. I think it's very dangerous, basically. <laughs> I mean, because an algorithm will remain an algorithm. I mean, even if it's good, you know, I mean, it's like also, I mean, I, sometimes I do it myself. I go on Spotify and I listen to stuff. I mean, plays for people say, oh, you should listen to this. And I go listen to something. Oh, that, that's good. And then I realize after three or four, it's like, okay, I'm classified as being this person, but I'm not, you know? So you have to work alongside the algorithm. You shouldn't, you should also do the work. You shouldn't let the algorithm do the work. It's not possible. No, I agree. And um, and I, there's one thing too. I mean, I thought like pre-internet days, like even in France, like when I was in the record store, like late 70s, early 80s, like in France, like we had two radios, like basically three TVs. There was no internet. And I thought people went, we can talk about the palace now too, like people went to clubs or they came to the store Chambis with wide open ears and they would listen to, oh my God, that's really good. I really like that. I really like this. And nowadays, I think that when people go to a club, oh, it's not the music I like to listen to. Oh, I, you know, it's like, I don't go to that club because I don't like this. It's like, so before you go, you already set your parameters to only go to somewhere where you're going to hear music you like. And in a way, I mean, I can understand that because you don't want to lose your time, but still, I mean, you can go see things. The best thing to me is when I see a movie or a concert, I'm not expecting it to be so great. And I'm like, wow, that was, you know, that was great. Yeah. It's all about the discovery for me. I mean, you know, me too, if, me if, too, if me you're too. listening to Madonna or Bowie or whatever on loop, then, you know, your, your worldview, your musical worldview, whatever, gets really, you know, tunnel vision. Um, well, I was listening to Madonna on loop when it came out. Like, and everyone, and everyone, everyone told me I was like stupid. <laughs> Why are you listening to all that stuff? And like everybody, I was crazy about that song. Like everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, I don't know. It was, it, she had that thing, you know what I mean? So, well, and she's well, not talk, a great singer. Talk to me about that thing. Like, how is it when you're putting pieces together? Like, I guess my first question is, are there kind of like go-to, you have like a, a go-to list of, boy, this one, every time somebody asks me that I, I want to do a, a show, let's say that's all very sensual, that you always have like, okay, these are my hit lists. Or do you, do you have kind of those go-to favorites that always, you know, are always going to do well, that always are going to resonate in a room? Or do you really try and challenge people melodically? I try to challenge people more because like, um, let's say, 
something that's central at Chanel won't be central at Weiwei, and yeah. something that's central at Weiwei won't be central with Ralph Simmons, for example. You know, so it's time. Uh, that's why I like to have long long term relationships with people with people, you know, with designers because I learn from them. I learn the way they are and the way they see music. So it's also for me, it's also like a very interesting because I learn things. I learn how people have a vision, you know, and uh, and then it's a mix of the two of us that makes it special. You know? mm-hmm. So I don't want to be the go-to things. I mean, of course, sometimes, you know, we can have go-to things. Oh my God, why don't we play this and we'd like nice season or whatever. I said, if you want, but then we end up not doing it. Yeah, it's, yeah. I can see that you've got, there's that, that delicate balance of guiding hand with your expertise and then also listening to the client, of course. Yeah, exactly. You know, and also I sometimes, sometimes I do styling, you know, like uh, when I work with Rodarte, for example, in New York, they bring me all the tracks they like, like maybe 10 or 12. And then I decide which ones I want to keep and which one to play first in the middle. I just shape it. But it's also a different side of my work, you know, because I see, I hear all those things and I just, I can build a story like within half an hour, I know exactly what to do, what to do and all that kind of thing. I mean, I knew it was you, for example, when I heard when uh, Jeremy Scott was at, at um, Mosquito and the music started, I'm like, all right, I know who was doing the music. Like, I, I don't know, but what for you, do you, do you feel like you have a, a signature sound or do you think the, the whole point of it is not to have a signature sound? No, I mean, I do. I mean, people know me also sometimes for, I like some, I like to be fun sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. so like uh, I think there's nothing wrong with being fun. And sometimes I'm not fun at all. I mean, it all depends who you're with, you know, and Jeremy is always into, you know, likes to have a good time or always like a little twist or something like that. We are very much alike for this. I mean, we get along together, you know, and, and sometimes we've, with Carl we could do it, but it was not systematic. I mean, I think maybe Red Ware was tongue-in-cheek, but the couture was more like a music laboratory, you know, and the, the cruise was more... Uh, Okay, we're on a cruise, we're just like, you know, going to the beach and, and the metieda was more about also having a, a performance or was more intimate. I mean, you know, every time was we had different ways of seeing it. So even within the house of Chanel, we had like it's not even it was it was not even decided before, but it was the way it worked, you know what I mean? So we could have fun at ready to wear because you have two thousand people, you have a lot of girls, a lot of things and just fill up the space and just have, you know, just enjoy the moment. Talk to me a little bit about the technical side of things. Like how much runway do you need to create the, the soundscape for a show? Does it, do you, I mean, clearly you can do it overnight like you did with Carl, but like what's, what's your happy comfort zone as far as like how far ahead you need to be in a conversation with the designer? Uh, I like to be in conversation with the designer, maybe like know about the mood, maybe like, couple of weeks before okay be sometimes more it depends this time it's more because it's more you know it's more complicated but uh i like to know in advance what the mood is going to be like you know it's like the collection comes after you know it's like because they know you know the designer knows what they're showing so they don't need to show me the clothes to make me understand they can the, the mood is like this like that you know and show me images of the set, maybe reference images, you know, talk to me about music, like things they like or things they don't like. I mean, you know, it's just a conversation and then we pick it up from there. And then I see them like maybe someone like a week before the show, mm-hmm. sometimes two days before the show. And that's when they discovered the sound? No, uh, no, much more, much more in advance. No, mm-hmm. much more in advance. They don't discover things the night before. <laughs> 
And in terms of um, what you use to create your sound, like what are the materials that you use? Are or do you have, you know, is it all done on your on your iPhone 11? Or I mean, what are you, no, how no, are you preparing? No, what, are the, what are your tools of the trade? Computers, computers, and we play, we play at the show, we play on US, with USB sticks. All right, so pr pretty basic, straightforward material, nothing, no particular interesting like- Not anymore, I mean, we had like cassette tapes, reel-to-reels, DAT, mini disc, CDs, you know, and now we have uh, USB sticks, but I mean, technically I always have like three going at the same time. Okay. Why three all going at the same time? Sorry, I don't know this side of things. Well, because if one of them, you know. Okay, so it's just backup. Okay. It's just backup. I do have three because one of them is backup full time. And like the third one is in case something in the show is too long or too slow, whatever. And if I want to cue in something, I can cue it from the third one. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. It's always like safety, you know, but I don't know. So basically, if something happens, like the music drops, like within like one second, it's back on. It might not be the perfect, you know, mm -hmm. it might be a little cut, but it's like. It's not a, a gaping, empty space of sound. Okay. No, but when that happens, an empty sound, like people freak out. It's like a light could drop down, like they, people don't see it. But if the sound stops even for like three seconds, everyone goes ah, like this, which is amazing. It's like that tells a lot also, you know. But if you see like three lights that turn off during the show, mm -hmm. I'm sure other people won't notice it. Sound is such a fundamental way to connect and and. and that's why I have such a hard time, like we were talking about earlier, when I see fashion shows on, on video after and the sound isn't the sound from the show, it, 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 it's disconcerting. I don't know what I'm looking at to a certain extent. Yeah, plus you can tell when it's fake. Within the first second, you know, oh, that's not the real music <laughs> because you know who, who you're looking at, you know, the designer you're looking at, mm -hmm. and it's, it goes off very quickly. Um, I know different designers have kind of different musical aesthetics, um, but I'm curious about the different cities. Do does New York, do New York, London, Milan, and Paris each have, like globally, there's a, a certain scent type of music that you see that it goes for particularly with each city? Not really. I think it's more an attitude, like, you know, it's like, it's not different types of music, but I think like, uh, most importantly, when Paris comes, I think Paris might be more creative because they don't want to do what was done before them. They don't want to do what was done in New York, <laughs> London or Milan. So they have a, we have to be very different in Paris, you know, which is also a challenge. Like in New York, it's, it depends who you work for, you know, so. It sounds like, cause you said you were, you know, doing other kinds of musical collaborations. Are you still looking to collaborate with, you know, younger designers? Cause I know you do have these long-term. Sure, 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 of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. And how did that evolve? So from the beginning, we're gonna go loop back around to your, your past a little bit here. Uh, you went to London, I think you were in your teens, right? Learned English yes. and all of that. Then you came back and you were doing at the same time DJing at the, the palace in the basement where it was a roller rink for a while and also working yeah. at the music store, is that right? Yes, I was working the music store every five days a week and I was working the palace two days a week. So I wasn't paid well enough in the music store <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted money to buy fashion or whatever, you know, just like, you know, 
be a bit more comfortable. And also in those days, like being a DJ at the palace meant I would start at 10 and finish at 6 a.m. I would be by myself, maybe with someone, you know, relaxing me for an hour. So it was quite like a marathon, mm -hmm. which no one can do now. I mean, when a DJ plays for more than four hours, it's like a miracle, mm -hmm. you know? And it, it's, well, it was different. And uh, I couldn't do that after a while. It got the best of me. I said, no, I got to stop because it's not working. <laughs> What did you think about the, the phenomenon during the confinement about the, the different DJs that would go live and do like hours and hours of, I mean, did you think of doing stuff like that? I mean, what was, what was your whole thought? No, about that? I mean, I did, you know, because that's not what I do, but I mean, I had stuff like, you know, I did a mix for Vanity Fair. I did a, I uploaded quite a few things on Mixcloud. I mean, I had all my playlist on Apple Music, but I listened to a few DJs. I thought it was, I thought it was very cool. Like, you know, in the beginning, even like, when I was singing, seeing those people singing in Italy on the balconies, you know, I was like, oh my God, that was so heartwarming. You know, it's like all those things we don't really, I don't really think of it until now. I didn't think about more about this, but that's going to be part of my confinement memories, you know, like uh, people singing at the balcony, Animal Crossing, like <laughs> Tiger King, you know. Oh my God, Tiger King, don't get me started. <laughs> it was the whole, you know, it was the whole, the confinement memories are going to be this and, live DJs are going to be the same thing too, because on Instagram and everything, you know, it was like, I mean, people wanted to express themselves and share things, which I thought was amazing. It was really, really good, mm -hmm. but I'm not good at that, you know, so. What are you good at? What do you feel that you, after all of these years, you're just like, I got that down pat. I can do this with my eyes closed. What, where do you feel like you're just. My, I never feel that. Hmm. I never feel like I can do it with my eyes closed. I'm less stressed than I used to be because I know I'm going to get it right. <laughs> Basically, it's different. You know what I mean? I, I know I know it's going to happen and I know I make the best I can sometimes. And now, I mean, sometimes I have to make some... Uh, when you have to agree to something like... Uh, and you don't really want to... Uh, concessions. Yeah, you don't have to make as many concessions? Yeah, less. And sometimes when I have to make concessions, it's a bit frustrating. You know, so, but it's it's becoming very rare. When you're when you're doing a, a show or anything for that matter, I understand that you have to grab them in the first forty five seconds with the music, or you're yes. in trouble. Less? No, I'm not in trouble, but um, I think I always say that is that I think the track number two or whatever comes after is most important because yeah. the first one it's like okay, the show starts, people like you know. Okay, they wake up from their, like, you know, in between shows, coma or whatever, you know, and you look brightly because it's the first look. So you're, all your senses are taken. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, you listen, no, you get taken. And second track, you have to keep on the, you have to keep up the, the attention, you know. Maybe put it slightly up higher if you want, but you have to really retain the attention. Once you get past that, it's, it's okay. What what have you been listening to on loop during confinement or, or that you or music that you've discovered during this time that you just really I mean I was listening to a lot of R and B like Solange, you know, for some reason, even if it's not new. I was listening to this. I mean, I'm not afraid to say that my favorite single is Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. WAP. I think this single is so good. Have you heard it? I have. I, I had the very uncomfortable experience of listening to it with my daughters all in the car and we were all oh, <laughs> okay okay <laughs> but i gotta give it to cardi b she just like owns it 100 percent. i know and um i also like megan Thee Stallion, the one before she made with beyonce savage 
and bougie and like I thought those songs were really cool. I mean, I don't know. They're just like you listen to that, you're home, you feel like moving, you know, and the words are out of control, you know. And uh, okay, and but it, at the same time, it's very strange because it's all this like you know everything, everyone's confined, and it seems like the morale is confined also. You know, what I mean, like you should, everything's hush hush. Like people don't say anything. Everything's so politically correct. I'm like. And then you have Cardi B, and they put out this thing that becomes number one in the U.S. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and the video is in. Have you seen the video? Yeah. Yeah, I mean the video is also like full on, you know, and it's unapologetic. Yeah, and you just, I just wonder how it works, you know, because of everything that's happening now, like you know the Black Lives Matters in the U.S. and all the protests and everything, and then this thing goes on, you know, and like in the Me Too movement, it's like. I think the world is being super, like, people don't know. What to do with themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think the reading is not so clear yet, you know what I mean? Because there's two sides and like, at the same time, you know, everything is about restraint, like, you know, and plus everyone shouldn't talk too loud or everyone should be at the same level, like, and then you have people who just go like full on like that, you know, so it's, it's, it's a very strange thing. I, I know you have other things you need to get to, so I want to ask you um, a couple of uh, my five generic fashion questions. So what is your favorite piece of clothing that you own? My favorite piece of clothing that I own... Yeah, I think it's a red coat that um, Stefano Pilati gave to me like 15 years ago, I think. Uh, oversized Saint Laurent red coat with, looks like a talking ants coat, very big. Mm-hmm. And inside there's like, it's dedicated with uh, YSL loves Michelle with a big heart embroidered on the pocket. So if there was, I do ask the question like, it, you know, it's very difficult for a lot of people to invest in clothing and, and to invest in, uh, you know, but if there was one piece that you would really invest in or tell somebody to invest in for a, a long time, um, what would that piece be? But maybe I should flip, flip the script on that and ask you, like, if there were a couple of albums that you could only take with you, like, what would those be? What, what are those investment albums then for you? I'm going to be old school because um, I think albums meant more when they were shorter. Now they're too long. They last, they last 80 minutes. So I think for me, like, the, um, a really good album is Prince Purple Rain because it makes a, it makes a story. You know, from A track one to the last track, you know, it's like one thing. So I thought that was a very good one. I remember it was 1984, I was in Tunisia with my mom, I was so bored. And I listened to it like I had a little CD player or cassette, I forgot. And I listened to it like 15 times a day. And every time I was like, my God, this is so good. This is so good. It's perfection. You know, so I would go, yeah, I would, that one would be the one. Mm-hmm. I, agree. I agree. I remember, I remember when that, that album came out and I also remember when the, the movie as well. I remember both yes, of them yes. really affecting me. Yeah, it was quite... It was more than just music. It was like a new thing. You know, I mean, the whole way of being, the who he was, the only imagery that was like, where is that coming from? You know, and the sound and the words, and the mixture of pop and R and B and the whole thing was like felt like it felt like the future. <laughs> Great, and it still feels like the future to a certain extent. I yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. I'm looking forward. As I, I don't even know. His new, his new, like the the new album come out with all of his, you know. Un- Previously, never, you know, seen. Uh, it's, it's, it should be soon, I think, at the end of the month. The Sign of the Times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
All right, I'm, so I'll, I'll text you. We're going to talk after that comes out. We're yeah, I'm, I'm dying to hear, to put my hands on that one. Yeah, me too, me too. I mean, also, Sign of the Times is also like such an amazing record, you know. Mm -hmm. It was like, that's also one. I think, I think some Prince albums are really, really good. Mm -hmm. Later part, I mean, I only liked a couple songs, but like Sign of the Times and Purple Rain, I mean, I think they're just like incredible. Yeah. yeah. Epic, yeah. All right, so the other, another question that I ask everybody is, who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Wow, uh, that's too hard. Because I like a lot of designers for many reasons, you know, so living or dead. There's a lot of like, I like for different reasons, for example. I love Carl for many reasons, you know, and I love Raph for many reasons. When I think of the past, I also like Halston for many reasons, you know, because that was close to me. I also love Coco Chanel because of our crazy story. I'm less fascinated by Yves Saint Laurent. I like his work, but the person for me, like, I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't, you know, I find him a difficult person mm -hmm. and too trouble for my taste. I like people who are quite out there, basically, you know, so... Okay. I like Jeremy because he's very true to himself and he does what he wants. I mean, Raph is also like, I mean, I told you before, but I think he's like also like a genius, futuristic person. I mean, there's, there's too many and I love Nicolas Balenciaga. I mean, it's, yeah, there's too many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't say. I know. I don't think, I, I don't think I would know how to answer that question either. Yeah. And also, I mean, I wear a lot of Yoji, you know, for a long time and I love Yoji and, I also like Comme des Garçons, and I like Bottega Veneta now, and, it's like, and Prada, I mean, it's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> the, the next question I ask everybody is like, what trend will you never follow? So maybe I can spin that again for you and say like, is there a, any music that you would never, like, no, not that. Oh, uh, you want to know what that is? Yeah, what would be that one thing you're like, I'm never gonna touch that kind of music, I'm never gonna incorporate that music into my wor world? Not really. I mean, I think there's music with which I have a more difficult time, basically. Like, I think, like, I think jazz is more difficult. You know, when, I, when we have to do something with jazz, I think it's very, it's so, such a wide range of music. It's, it's more difficult than if I have to touch, like, um, maybe, like, world music is also more difficult because it's, like, some of it I... I admit I don't understand it all. I mean, I, I know if I like it or if I don't, but culturally, I'm, you know, there's stuff from Indonesia or Africa, like I don't really know their meaning. I just react to them as I like the sound, you know, so it's also a bit difficult because we had stuff in the past where we would play sometimes the lyrics were not right or whatever. So it's, it's a bit more complicated for me, but there's nothing I would say I wouldn't play. And then the last question I have for you is, what do you love most about fashion? Carl used to say that also, and I quite agree with him. I think that uh, fashion is an instant reaction to what you're surrounded with, you know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, <clears throat> it's an art, it's, yeah, it's some sort of an art form, but I think that it's very easy, like within a show, for example, like, in a week, you can change the styling and the looks like every day until you get it right. You know, like a work of art, you can do the same thing. Or try. It's not the same planning, you know, and with clothes, it can be, you can make them react like very quickly to, to the mood of the time. And uh, he also used to say something I quite agree with, like just by looking at the clothes, you know what period of the time you're in, more than anything else, just the clothing. But I, I, I like this, it's very setting you know, it really reflects the time. And what I like also in fashion now is like, you do whatever you want. Like everyone can, everyone can be their own fashion icon, which I think is quite amazing. You are very iconic in your red, you sent a whole 
coat, I have to say. So, oh, you've seen that picture? I've seen that picture. I've seen you in it, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. That coat is really, it's a, I mean, I have other things I really. But it suits you. I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It suits me really good. And I'm very, I'm very, I mean, I'm not afraid of wearing red or anything like that. I just wear whatever I feel like. Nisha, thank you so much. Merci mille, mille fois. It was so wonderful talking to you. And I will definitely. Yeah. Okay, à la prochaine. On se voit bientôt peut-être, non? On se voit bientôt. We'll see each other soon. Okay. Okay. I just Bye. Bye. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.